Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Andy Staples on three. We have a college football playoff set. We have a lot of unhappy people. We have a lot of unhappy people who don't have a rooting interest for the team that got stiffed. This was more of an existential thing. Florida State 13 and 0 ACC champion left out. Alabama gets in at number 4. You have a Michigan Alabama Rose Bowl number 1 versus number 4. Washington Texas Sugar Bowl number 2 versus number 3. It looks like a really fun playoff. It really does. If you have no rooting interest, you're looking at this thing going these games look awesome. But when you think about the Florida State snub, the 13-0 record, they didn't duck people in the non-conference. They they scheduled two SEC teams, LSU and Florida, in the non-conference, and they're left out. And it's just it's really crazy to think that this is where it is a year before they go to the 12 team. They almost made it. They almost made it with this Fakakta four-team playoff without it coming to this. Because if you went long enough, it was eventually going to come to this. It was eventually going to be one of those situations. Uh, Jeff in the chat with a really good question. Where does Florida State being left out of the CFP rank in comparison to other BCS CFP snubs? I would say it's right up there with 2004 Auburn. I think... I think 2004 Auburn is probably the best comparison here because they did everything they were supposed to do and they were denied a chance. And if you remember your history, the reason it went from a two-team BCS to a four-team playoff is the 2004 Auburn snubs pissed off Mike Slive, who was the SEC commissioner so much that he went on a crusade to get a bracketed playoff. Now, he was not going to go with a big one they stopped at four, but then the creation of the four-team playoff made it go from six BCS automatic qualifying conferences to five what we call Power Five conferences, a term that we're probably retiring after this year anyway, but it is the one that kind of ruled during this four-team playoff era. And you thought, okay, you have five of you that kind of run this thing, but four spots. And I remember that first year when it dawned on them, oh, wait, somebody's getting left out. And remember how the Big 12, after Baylor and TCU got left out and Ohio State got put in, remember how the Big 12 had a, kind of an existential crisis where like, oh, do we need to expand? Do we need to do this? It was never going to last very long. It was never going to work. And remember, it was after the final game of the 2018 season, the one where Clemson beat Alabama, that the commissioners started working on expanding the playoff. So the, the work to get to that point started five years ago, essentially, a little less than five years ago. And they were they were there. They were there. So Florida State 
fans can blame the committee, absolutely should. The committee made a choice. Now, the committee's told pick the best four. And they're given this very nebulous set of criteria. And people say, well, you're supposed to consider this. And you're supposed to consider. Yes, but ultimately, you're supposed to do the best four. What do you think are the best four? And if more people on the committee thought Alabama was better than Florida State, they were going to pick Alabama. So you can change up the, the criteria if you want. And we'll get, we'll get to that in a second. But remember, there could have been a 12-team playoff this year. Remember who fought to block it. Remember the alliance? The Big Ten, the ACC, and the Pac-12. They got together as the alliance after the SEC took Oklahoma and Texas. And it was supposed to be to do something. But all it actually did, the only thing the alliance actually accomplished was it slowed down CFP expansion. Because they were going to do the 12 team. They were going to have it ready for this season. But the Big Ten, the Pac-12, and the ACC, Jim Phillips, current ACC commissioner, said, no, we got to hold this up. And they said, oh, well, what's, everything's moving too fast. That was BS. Here's what was actually happening. The Big Ten was pulling an okey-doke on the Pac-12 and the ACC to get everything slowed down so that the expanded playoff was not presented as a competing product as the Big Ten sold its TV rights. So they wanted to get their TV deal done. Oh, by the way, they were in the middle of stealing USA, USC and UCLA from the Pac-12, another member of the Alliance. And so basically the Pac-12 and the ACC got played, ended up screwing themselves. As bad as the ACC thing was today with Florida State getting left out, at least the conference didn't get destroyed. The Pac-12 got destroyed in part because of this. I don't know that it ultimately would have saved it, but it would have given it a better shot at survival. So, Jim Phillips deserves a share of the blame for this too, along with the members of the committee who decided to pick Alabama over Florida State. If you want to get mad at people, and trust me, the Florida State people want to get mad at people, and I don't blame them. You want to get your heart broken, Go check out what Jordan Travis tweeted. Jordan Travis, Florida State starting quarterback, got hurt in the North Alabama game a couple weeks ago. Gruesome injury. Had to be carted off the field. This is what he said. He said, devastated, heartbroken, in so much disbelief right now. I wish my leg broke earlier in the season so y'all could see this team is much more than the quarterback. I thought results matter. 13-0 in this roster matches up across any team in those top four rankings. I am so sorry. Go Knowles. That <laughs> he shouldn't have to be tweeting that right now. He shouldn't have to. And it gave the committee a convenient excuse, by the way. They could say, well, Jordan Travis was hurt. Different team without Jordan Travis. But what they did after Jordan Travis got hurt was, was pretty darn impressive. What they did in the ACC championship game against Louisville, where the defense made a fairly good Louisville offense look completely incompetent was an incredible performance. And the coaching job that Mike Norvell and his staff did on the offensive side to get Brock Glenn, who was their third-string quarterback because Tate Rodemaker was in concussion protocol, to get him ready to play was one of the better coaching jobs you'll see. But it didn't matter. And I say all this as someone who is deliriously excited 
to see Michigan and Alabama play in the Rose Bowl because that's the game I wanted to see. That's the game a lot of people wanted to see. I just hate that Florida State has to be left out for this because there's another world where Alabama gets a bye, Florida State plays Liberty, and then they play each other. And then we get to see. And that world could have happened this year. But the Alliance decided to stop it. And Kevin Warren, who was the Big Ten commissioner, I can't well, I mean, blame him. I mean, he was pulling a trick on some people. But he was at least doing his job. He was at least acting in his own conference's best interests. George Klyavkov and Jim Phillips weren't. They were getting snowed by somebody else to the detriment of their leagues. Klyavkov has a lot more to answer for. But Phillips put out a statement on Sunday talking about how terrible this was and how, how infuriated he was. I mean, he helped cause it. And then also, him not understanding how the games played didn't help either. Remember, Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, was out talking all day Saturday to whoever would listen because he's trying to get Alabama and Georgia in if Alabama won. That's part of the deal. But SEC teams have been through this. We've seen this happen with them before. So they know how to, how to operate, how to politic. They don't always get it, but they do know how to politic. You didn't hear anything from the ACC until Sunday when it was too late. So Florida State, is, there's nothing you can say. There's just nothing. Mike Norvell, head coach at Florida State, he put this out in a statement. I am disgusted and infuriated with the committee's decision today to have what was earned on the field taken away because a small group of people decided that they knew better than the results of the games. What is the point of playing games? Do you tell players it is okay to quit if someone goes down? Do you not play a senior on senior day for fear of injury? What is the motivation to schedule challenging non-conference games. We are not only an undefeated P5 conference champion, we also played two P5 non-conference games away from home and won both of them. I don't understand how we're supposed to think this is an acceptable way to, an evalu to evaluate a team. And that's the thing. I had somebody reach out to me because it wasn't just this part of it that bothered them. This was a person who's been on the selection committee, who understands how this all works. And they were looking at the, the full top 25 because what bothered them was the, the criteria that were used to separate Alabama and Florida State were not the criteria that were used to separate SMU and Liberty or were not the criteria that were used to separate Iowa and somebody like it. At different points in the rankings, you could tell, oh, here's where they're deciding, well, this team has has better best win. Oh, this team has better quality losses. Oh, this team. And then. You get to Liberty, which went undefeated in Conference USA against a pretty weak schedule. They finish above SMU. So Liberty gets that spot in the New Year's Six that's that's dedicated to the highest-ranked group of five champion. So SMU had two losses. They were to Oklahoma and TCU, two non-conference games they did not have to play. They could have played weaker opponents. SMU gets stiffed on that. Now, SMU's joining the ACC, which I would say... Oh, well, you don't have to worry about that anymore, but you kind of do. And what this person who had served on the committee was explaining to me is like next year, we, we say, oh, well, this won't happen next year. It doesn't matter. It's different. 12 team. And they're like, no, it's not different. They need to take the same care 
and use the same criteria all the way down because now you're deciding who gets a buy and who doesn't, who gets a home game and who doesn't, who goes on the road and who doesn't, and who doesn't get in and who gets in. You're now doing all of that. And to be inconsistent is to be unfair to everybody. So I, I was trying to think of how do you do this? Do you, do you come up with a hard and fast list of criteria? Because I don't know if that would work. Or do you just admit it's a beauty contest? Say they're picking the best teams. They pick them because they think they'd beat them. I, I, I don't know any other way to do that. Maybe just admit it. Langston in the chat. We should just boycott the bull and sue the hell out of ESPN. We should legitimize the system that that blanked over. Boycott the bull, blank ESPN, and the SEC. Okay, I will say this. This is interesting. From, from all the people who are mad about this, talking about Florida State and the ACC, getting mad at ESPN and saying it's an ESPN SEC conspiracy. Guys, who televises all the ACC's games? Who runs the ACC network? ESPN has as much interest in the ACC success as the SEC's. So you're probably placing the blame in the wrong place. Now, did Kirk Herbstreet say he liked the, the choice they made? Sure he did. He's allowed to have an opinion. He doesn't have to agree with you on this. But to say this is all ESPN's fault when ESPN has a vested interest in the ACC being like ESPN would probably rather the Big Ten not be in there because there are no Big Ten rights at ESPN. So that part doesn't quite wash. But the rest of it, if you just want to be mad, then yes, be mad. I, I don't know what else to tell you. you. You have every right to be mad. Florida State fans should absolutely be furious. If, if you're mad on principle because you think an undefeated Power 5 team should just be in, be mad. You're certainly entitled to that opinion. But I would like if they would just get together before the 12 team starts next year and agree on how they're going to select. And if you want to just say it's a beauty contest, then just say it. Stop BSing us. Don't put... Like, Boo Corrigan's the NC, NC State AD. He had to come and explain all this. Don't trot him out there and make him make a word salad. Just say it's a beauty contest. It's okay. We're used to it. Remember how stupid the postseason used to be? Like, it gets less dumb each time. But it's still dumb. Which I kind of think is a feature and not a bug in college football. But they used to just assign schools willy-nilly based on conferences to bowls and then if the good teams happen to play each other great if they didn't who cared this will be better next year but just be honest about it it's a beauty contest at least this time the team that gets left out is probably the 12th best team and not a, a team that might be able to compete for the national title i know what you're thinking florida state could they beat michigan could they beat washington could they beat up we don't know. We all we know is they hadn't lost. But they're not gonna, they won't get to play for a national title. And that sucks. 12 teams coming one year too late. It sucks. Should be here right now.
<sighs> it's one of those weekends, guys. I'm going to tell you about Prize Picks, the most fun daily fantasy platform in America. I didn't have my best Prize Picks weekend. I'm going to be honest. I had a great one a couple weekends ago. Great one. Been riding off that one ever since. But I, I just expected more offense on Championship Saturday. You know, you know how I do it. So Prize Picks, you go download the app, use the code Andy. They will match your first deposit up to $100, and you pick squares. And they they have every sport: NFL, NBA, college football, college basketball, you name it. And it's it's basically a player, a basketball player will score this many points, more or less. Uh, a receiver will gain this many receiving yards, more or less. A quarterback will throw for this many touchdowns, more or less. And I thought there'd be a little more offense on Championship Saturday. So I had uh, I had Carson Beck, the Georgia quarterback, and Jack Plummer, the Louisville quarterback, at 499 and a half, more than. Because I like to root for people, not against people. And Alabama and Florida State shut them down. Beck got close, but it wasn't wasn't enough and Florida State's defense wow I just I should have should have seen that one coming because I watched them play against Florida the week before but yeah I had I had JJ McCarthy more than 1.5 pass rush or receiving touchdowns should have should have known low scoring game against Iowa Michigan still covered but they didn't it wasn't enough just just not enough offense. So I'm not worried about it. Bowl season is starting. College basketball is in full swing. The NFL season going. So I, trust me, I, I may may go into to prize picks for Monday Night Football. Just pop a couple down. I think I'll be right back. But you should go to prize picks. You should be playing it too. Download the app. Use the code Andy and they will match your first deposit up to 100 bucks. It is so much fun. And there's always a game to be playing. Unfortunately, the next game Florida State's going to be playing is the Orange Bowl in a game between them and Georgia, two teams that probably don't want to be there. And I don't know who among the good players for both teams are going to be in this game. And I wouldn't be shocked if most of the NFL-bound players are not playing. So this could be vastly different versions of these two teams. But we caught up with Jeff Cameron of Warchant.com. Jeff's awesome. He's been covering Florida State for years. He's a great person to explain the fury of the Florida State fan base right now because there's a lot of it. Here's Jeff. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We welcome Jeff Cameron from War Chant, the best Florida State coverage anywhere. And Jeff was in Charlotte. He's back in Tallahassee now. And quite a bit has transpired since Florida State won the ACC title. And now, Jeff, what was, what was going through your mind as the committee's selections were being revealed? 
Well, I, you know, I'll be honest with you. I did not think uh, that in reality, Florida State would be left out of uh, the, the college football playoff. I thought, uh, you know, like a lot of people, I've watched the show. I've watched what the committee does over the years. And for the most part, while there is drama and it's made for TV and it's a lot of fun and all the talking heads go back and forth with their opinions about which team is better than this team. And if there's an appreciable difference between the third and the fifth and the seventh, at the end of the day, we both know that an undefeated Power Five conference champion, uh, especially with Florida State's resume, they've beaten eight bowl teams this year, mm -hmm. two SEC teams. It wasn't as if this was a weak campaign by Florida State. Road win against Clemson and you know a number of other uh, moments throughout the year that let you believe that Florida State certainly is one of the top four teams. I thought for sure that they would get in. So when Texas got moved to three, it was the first indicator. In fact, it, when I saw that, I thought, they're going to do it. They're going to screw them. And, and then it happened. So Mike Norvell releases a statement, says, I'm disgusted and infuriated with the committee's decision today have to have what was earned on the field taken away because a small group of people decided they knew better than the results of the games. And he goes on the Orange Bowl teleconference, you know, says out of respect for the Orange Bowl, I'm not going to, to yeah. get back into that. You saw the statement. But privately, for, for Mike Norvell, for Michael Alford, the AD, uh, for the president, Richard McCullough, what, what is the mood there? What, what are they saying behind closed doors? Well, they're obviously very angry. There are lasting repercussions to this move. Obviously, you look at the financials. Florida State is devastated by this. I think also you hit the nail on the head. I think Mike's devastated for his players. They did everything that was asked of them this year. Every time they had to meet a challenge, especially in the wake of injury after injury after injury, they kept finding ways to win. We always talk about Andy football being the ultimate team game. You get proof of that when things like injuries happen. Are you able to overcome? Are you able to galvanize, to gather, and find a way to lean on other aspects of your football team in order to get a win? And they did that on the road in the swamp. And this is not a banner year for Florida. In some ways, you could say the SEC let Florida State down. If LSU had been better after Florida State beat LSU, if Florida hadn't stunk, maybe Florida State would look a little bit better in the eyes of the committee. But the SEC let them down. And this isn't the year to ride and die with the SEC if you're the committee. Uh, the ACC had a better record against the SEC. The SEC out of conference was not impressive, as you well know. This yep. wasn't the time to set precedent. Yeah, we talked about this on the on the show the other night because somebody asked what was the SEC's best non-conference win, and I guessed Missouri over K State. I would think I, I think I was wrong on that. I think it was Kentucky over Louisville, but that's a very different answer than than you give in most years. So yeah. you, you're absolutely right about that. I, I go back to the the part about Mike Norvell and what he tells his team. That that seems to be the most heartbreaking part of this for me. You know, you see the Jordan Travis tweet, and, and you think about. Think about where this program was three years ago yes. and where they've come and to just have it yanked out from underneath you like that. I just don't see it doesn't feel like there's anything they can even do about it. There isn't anything they can do about it. And I think that leads to that feeling of being bereft of hope, Andy. I mean, how how must that feel? I, I, I do feel terrible for the kids, for all the frustration that Florida State fans feel right now. And believe me, it is loud and clear how angry they are, whether it be with the College Football Playoff Committee, whether it's ESPN, whether it's Kirk Herbstreet, who went to stumping for uh, this very result to happen weeks ago. Um, all of these things have frustrated Florida State fans. But the truth is, 
they have to feel sick to their stomachs for the players. It's about the players and the coaches who've worked so very hard to come back from three and six, five and seven, and get to a place where you win 10 games a year ago and you go into this season with high expectations. And then you meet all of those expectations, beginning with the big win to start the year in Orlando against LSU. And so I think that they feel cheated for those guys, especially because, again, it wasn't an easy road. Florida State's had to overcome an awful lot this year due to injury, but they did. And they played those games and they won every last one of them. They didn't stumble. They didn't lose at home by double digits. They didn't, you know, have a game where during an off day, somebody snuck up and got them. They always found a way. You look around the country, it's hard to go undefeated. So I think they have to feel absolutely cheated with no recourse. Well, and the other thing, the one that, that would stick with me, I think if I were them, is when Boo Korg and the NC State AD got asked about Liberty. And why did Liberty get in over SMU, which had two losses to two Power 5 teams and then won the American? And Boo Corgan said, well, they just kept winning. <laughs> that, that's the part. And I think that's the part that infuriates most people. Because I, I, I'm of the mind that you can be excited to see a Michigan-Alabama Rose sure. Bowl. Absolutely. But also feel devastated for Florida State's players and coaches. But that part of it, where it matters in this particular case, but not in this particular case, feels like the most infuriating part of it. Well, it's what you need to do in order to make the argument in the moment with the question that you're asking. You can handpick, cherry-pick narratives all you want. We watch this happen week to week all the time. We both know, Andy, this is a flawed system. It's on the back of other flawed systems in college football uh, for many years now. And this was coming. You know, the fact that they didn't expand to 12 led you to think eventually something like this would happen. It just so happened that it, it occurred the final year of the 14 playoff. And the irony, of course, is that Jim Phillips uh, was part of the problem, uh, the ACC commissioner, and not getting this thing expanded. Not solely the problem, but part of it. Right. So you get to a place where the vitriol and anger that Florida State fans and administrators and coaches and players must feel within the ACC, and especially to hear an answer like that, by the way, and you wonder how if you chair a committee and you are – an athletic director in the ACC, the second you realize that they are efforting to make this move, an unprecedented move, to have Alabama get into the playoff over Florida State, you got to almost get up and recuse yourself and say, I won't be a part of this. I, I'm not going to do it, and I, I'm going to walk away and make a public announcement about it. But he didn't do that. Of course he didn't. And I think most Florida State fans would tell you they wanted out of the ACC a long time ago, not just fans. Obviously, the administration did. If you don't think they want out now more than ever before, it's 100% certain. I think, if anything, it's a galvanizing effect to try to do whatever you have to do to come together. Sort of an us-against-the-world mentality is what they'll have now. One thing I thought was interesting, like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you saw the SEC folks kind of planting the seeds of, oh, yeah. well, if this happens, if they, because they're experienced at it. They've dealt with this multiple times before. They understand how the process works. The ACC was not proactive at all. They were completely reactive. The first quote you saw from Jim Phillips on the subject was on Sunday, whereas Greg Sankey was talking to anyone who would listen Saturday about Alabama and Georgia trying to get both of them in if Alabama won. So that that's another part of it is a, it is a, a leadership thing too, but it's also a name brand type thing. This that's the part I wonder because we we see we say it's an SEC thing. I think it may be more of a of a name brand thing. Like if 
let's say this had been Missouri in the same boat, or, or well, I'll say Ole Miss. We'll say an SEC West team. If it had been Ole Miss that had beaten Alabama, that had gone twelve and one, that had lost to Texas, that had beaten Georgia, and Florida State's thirteen and zero, I think Florida State gets in. Yes, and I, think, I think that's absolutely true, Andy, and that's what's yep. infuriating because that proves that it's arbitrary. Right, and that is really, really frustrating. I think if you put it, just just reverse it. Say Florida State had, there's no way they would have left Alabama out if if they were in Florida State shoes. Correct. And Florida State in Alabama shoes. There's no way. But Florida State is one of the biggest brands in college football, bar none. If you're really going to do the argument about who brings more to the table for a national ratings standpoint, if we're talking about eyes on sets for the college football playoff, Florida State is a vastly superior brand. And I'm not saying that to knock this team, this program, their fans at all. I actually like them. But Florida State is a vastly superior brand nationally than Washington. So if you're going to leave out an undefeated Power 5 conference champion, why not make it Washington? They played six straight weeks of pretty average to poor football, looking like they were banged up. Then they beat Oregon. Good on you. They did what they had to do. They had to win that game. Florida State fans are saying the same thing today. Well, it, it, we've seen Florida politicians from the governor down to the state legislature. Chip Lamarca, who, uh, if you follow college sports very closely, you know he was very involved in the NIL bill in Florida. Uh, the, it was the first effective one that essentially created the NIL system that you know now. He said something. But what what could they even do at this point other than yell about it? It's all they can do, and it's you're you put in a box, Andy. You you if you come out and you huff and you puff and you scream and you point to the injustice and you say it's unfair and and you bleed for the players, that's fine. If you keep doing it, you look like you're whining. You get accused of crying. You get a, you know all of these things. It's very unfortunate. They have no recourse that I'm aware of. What are you going to sue? I don't think so. I think, you know, there's a thought, do you boycott the bowl? Do you not go? Well, they're not going to do that. Their motto yeah. all year long, Andy, has been finish. Finish mm -hmm. the play, finish the game. And unfortunately for them, they did, and it got them nothing. So it's very frustrating, but they're not going to, if that's your motto, decide to sit it out. And the problem is, you know, if you're the Orange Bowl, I have a hard time weeping for the Orange Bowl committee or any other bowl committee for that matter. They make a lot of money and do very little. But that said, they've got to be furious. Think about oh, yeah. the Orange Bowl. How Georgia doesn't want to be there either. Yeah. Nobody wants to be there. None of the fans for either fan base care about going to that game at all. And all the star players are going to opt out. You're yeah. going to have a nothing game. Well, and that that ultimately, I think, is the reason why it got pushed to 12, really, more than the competitive aspect of it is it would make sure people kept playing yeah. and 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 games like that would matter to someone. I want to go back to the conference affiliation part of it because we know what Florida State was saying in August and and very boldly, more boldly than anybody else. We know Clemson feels the same way. We know we know North Carolina feels the same way, but they're afraid to say it out loud like Florida right. State is. Right. What does this change that or does this just push them harder to keep trying to do what they were already trying to do. This particular this particular committee just told you you don't matter. That the ACC doesn't matter. Your winning record against the SEC this year be damned. Your undefeated Power 5 champion with that schedule, as I said, wins over eight bowl teams and two SEC teams, doesn't matter. You further have confirmation that unless you're in the Big 10 or the SEC, you don't matter and you're left to the whims of a committee, any particular committee, it changes every year, so who knows? 
maybe you curry favor that particular year. You would think if an ACC guy is leading the way that you would have had a, a little bit more pull, but, but alas, you don't. So I think, honestly, it further affirms that you have to leave as soon as you possibly can. And that involves finances, that involves legalities, that involves a lot of stuff. We both know you and I have had this conversation many times, but I would think this even further emboldens Florida State to get out. Uh, you, you have to find a way. You have to find a way because this has long-term repercussions. You can look at recruiting impact. You can look at financial impact. You can look at a lot of aspects of this. And I know next year you could say, well, it wouldn't happen next year. Yeah, of course not. It wouldn't happen next year. Florida State would be in. If they had lost last night, they would have been in. Um, but 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 again, uh, I do think losing out on the money here and knowing the way that committees and, of course, ESPN and others feel about the ACC, you've got to find a way to get where the getting's good, where the money's better and the opportunities abound. Well, the recruiting piece of it, too. I, I This this is a, a tough one for Florida State that has to recruit against a ton of SEC schools yeah, because I guarantee you, I know what their coaches are saying today. Because Absolutely. remember, tomorrow everybody's gonna jump in the portal, and then signing day is next week. So this is right now, the portal guys and the final push. You're gonna have these coaches all saying, "Well, you can get to the playoff easier from our league and not from their league." Yeah, and you know the counter for Florida State's coaches is that well, it wouldn't happen next year. We're in no matter what. But right. but I, I get it. You're right. That's exactly what they're going to say. And not every kid is savvy enough to know the difference, and so they're going to hear that and think, well, God, I did just watch Florida State go 13 and 0 and absolutely not go to the playoff. Sure, uh, you're you're right. Uh, they'll use it. I mean, I think Florida State can counter it, but yeah. you know, I, I do. I feel bad for Mike. I feel bad for the players. I I, I really want to keep reiterating that I'm a big college football fan. I'd like to think. Now, nobody is completely objective. There is nobody on earth who is. We're all from nope. somewhere. We all went to school somewhere. Uh, we live in a certain region of the country. We have friends that went to school certain places. So none of us are purely objective. But I like to think, Andy, and you've known me over the years, no matter my affiliation or alliance, I try to be objective. And I think all of us want to do that because we love the bigger game, the game mm -hmm. of college football we absolutely love. And I think college football took a hit with this decision. I think some of uh, the integrity of the game can be called into question. When you start saying the games don't matter and that going undefeated could be trumped by a one loss team, a team who, by the way, struggled mightily with USF won on a miracle against a terrible Auburn team. This isn't, this isn't banner Georgia. I mean, they have a better win than you because they beat Georgia. But by the way, if we're going to be consistent, why did Florida state end up five? Why aren't they behind Georgia? George, it, it, George's got one loss. Just put them ahead of Florida State if you think the league is better. Hell, while you're at it, just put Oregon State, Oregon in front of uh, Florida State. Just say, well, listen, I know they have two losses, but they're the same team. Quite frankly, I think Oregon would beat Florida State, so let's just put Oregon in there. And if we're not done, let's just go on down the list and name seven, eight, nine teams you think you should put ahead of Florida State because God knows the games don't matter. It's about the eye test. It's about what Vegas would have you favored on a neutral field. Jeff, I think you just spoke for a whole lot of people. So I, I'm I'm glad I because I, I think that that population's voice needs to be heard today like that. Everything you said is true and correct. And everybody who's mad has every right to be mad. Like, again, you can be excited about what the playoff is going to be, what the two matchups are. You can still be mad about this. And if you're a Florida State fan, you should be mad about everything. So thank you, Jeff. Appreciate it. Good to be with you, Andy. Be well, man.
Seeing an awful lot of boycott the bowl game from the folks. Boycott the Orange Bowl. You know, that would be a protest against the S the ACC and the system because the Orange Bowl has a deal with the ACC. Uh, if you did want to protest, that'd be the way to do it. And we know how Florida State feels about the ACC. So I don't think they're going to do that. Mike Norvell was on a, a teleconference with Kirby Smart on Sunday night. He was very deferential. Actually said, hey, I stand by my statement, but out of respect for the Orange Bowl, I'm not going to blowtorch the decision right now. I'm just going to talk about what's going on here. And I think we can be perfectly honest. A lot of Florida State's best players are probably going to boycott the Orange Bowl, not necessarily because of any sort of belief that they should be in the playoff, but if they're not playing for a national title, what's the point? Because they don't want to risk getting hurt before they go pro. There's a lot of really good players. Now, maybe some guys do want to finish it up with their teammates, and that is certainly their choice. But I think on the Florida State side and on the Georgia side, because obviously this is not how Georgia wanted its season to end either. You know, it was watching that teleconference, it was a Zoom, so you could see both coaches, and you're, you're thinking, man, these are two guys who'd rather be anywhere but here. They're thinking transfer portal's about to open. I gotta go, I gotta go get some dudes. By the way, speaking of the transfer portal, transfer portal extravaganza coming on Monday. Remember, the portal opens for all of those teams that didn't fire their coaches, didn't have a coach leave. It opens on Monday. So 9.30 a.m. Eastern time, me, J.D. Piquel, Josh Newberg, here from the On3 Studios, we got your transfer portal show. We're going to break it all down. We're going to explain how it all works get you ready for transfer portal season. And I'm guessing that in those first couple hours, there are going to be some names dropping into the portal. There are going to be some people dropping their graphics saying, hey, enjoyed my time here, but I'm, I'm going somewhere else. Hope will spring eternal for those teams that are fishing in the portal. For those teams that lose people to the portal, well, you got to decide did you want to keep that person? Maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. We'll break it all down for you and we'll explain it all because it's a relatively new process, but it kind of feels like the beginning of NFL free agency or, or NBA free agency in, in an offseason. Feels like a, a big to-do where there's going to be a lot of movement, a lot of names flying around. Expect a lot of news on Monday. Let, let's put it that way. Got a question in the chat. This is this is a little off topic, but I thought it was an interesting question. So Ravia Tatub asks, Andy, why are people pooping on Kyle McCord, the Ohio State quarterback, all the time? He said one of the best first-year QB stats compared to Burrow's first year, J.J. McCarthy's first year, et cetera. Why do folks think he's not going to improve in year two? Well, simple answer. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. won't be there in year two. Kyle McCord had the luxury of having the best receiver in college football and maybe the best receiver that we've seen in college football since Megatron. So I just don't know that the expectations are going to be as high, but I do agree. Kyle McCord is probably going to improve and his stats were very good. He averaged 9.1 yards per attempt, which is the same as Michael Pettix Jr. But again, Marvin Harrison Jr., Mecca pretty good talent there. Marv, especially, probably the most special receiver in the country. I know there were some that put up bigger numbers. 
But if you gave all the coaches a choice and said, who do you want at receiver? You get the first pick. They're all taking Marvin Harrison Jr. So him not being there next year, and I realize Brian Hartline's a good receivers coach. They're going to have good receivers. I think that's where people are, are, are sort of wondering about McCord. Does he, does he have that big jump without that super special receiver? Now, the other part of this, obviously, is if he beats Michigan, the criticism dies. But he throws two picks against Michigan, and suddenly it expands. So like his coach Ryan Day, Kyle McCord's going to have to deal with that. That's just part of being the quarterback at the Ohio State University. You are going to get hammered if you don't beat Michigan, especially if you throw two picks against Michigan. And those were probably two of the biggest plays in the game. So that's where that's where that's at. That's why there is so much criticism of him. But I am with you. I do think he's going to be better in year two. Whether we see that or not is another story. It probably would require a win against Michigan for everybody to see it. But that's all right. What you can see now, though, is college football playoff tickets on game time. That's right. Rose Bowl matchup is set. Michigan-Alabama. Sugar Bowl matchup is set. Texas and Washington. I had a friend text me right after the announcements were made. This is someone who, who lives in Louisiana said, Texas fans are hammering the Sugar Bowl. They are coming. They also may be getting some national title game tickets in Houston because who knows? One win away at this point. But if you would like to attend the Sugar Bowl or the Rose Bowl, you can get your tickets on Game Time. Download the Game Time app, use the code STAPLES, and you'll get $20 off your first purchase. There are tickets right now for the Rose and for the Sugar. So you want to go to the Sugar? Sugar's actually a little more than the Rose right now. So this, this might be the time to get in on the Rose Bowl. But you look at all the tickets that are available. You see a photo of the stadium. You click it. That is your vantage point from your seat. So you know exactly what you're looking at. You know exactly what you're getting. A couple more taps. The ticket is yours. So download that Game Time app. Use the code STAPLES, and you will get $20 off your first purchase. All right, we have a lot of news to talk about. There's there's much more going on in college football than just the college football playoff. I do realize that is what everybody wants to talk about, and I understand that. But I think there's probably some folks that want to talk about some of these coaching carousel moves. Saturday, when everybody was watching everything else, Willie Fritz got the Houston job. So Tulane did not win the American Championship. Willie Fritz has done a great job at Tulane, though. Last year, he did win the American Championship, took them to a win against USC in the Cotton Bowl. Now he is off to Houston to try to get Houston competitive in the Big 12. And look, Willie Fritz is a place who has won everywhere he's been. Central Missouri, Sam Houston State, Georgia Southern, Tulane. Houston is the next step. The Sam Houston State experience, I think, probably helped him get this job because recruiting in basically the same neighborhood understanding how Texas high school recruiting works, and you go into one of the most talent-rich cities in America. But Houston showed, as did UCF and Cincinnati and BYU in their first years in the in the Big 12, it's a little bit harder when you take that step up in competition. So Houston's got to get that roster deeper. they got to get a little bit better. Willie Fritz seems to be the kind of guy who does that everywhere he goes. Texas A&M assistant Elijah Robinson, remember he was the interim coach after Jimbo Fisher got fired, was supposed to be a priority of Mike Elko's when he got there to retain. 
Mike Elko tried to retain him, tried to tried to make him a very high-paid assistant coach, but Elijah Robinson is now going to head to Syracuse to be a coordinator. He's going to be the defensive coordinator for Fran Brown, who, remember, was the Georgia defensive backs coach. He just got hired as the new Syracuse head coach. And remember we had Bush Hamden, the Boise State offensive coordinator, on the show last Thursday, and he told us about everything that's happened since Andy Avalos got fired, and they were about to play in the Mountain West Championship game against UNLV. Well, they won that game. If you watch that game, Bush had a great game call and plays. Spencer Danielson, the interim coach, they said after the game, one of the players said, hey, look, the search is over. Spencer Danielson's your guy. And on Sunday, the administration at Boise State agreed. Spencer Danielson will be Boise State's new head coach. And so we'll see what that means for the rest of the staff. Does the things stay the same? Do some of those guys, based on their performance at the end of the season wind up getting plucked because uh, there, there were a lot of, a lot of people in the coaching world watching what was going on there because it was pretty crazy. You just don't see that very often where a coach gets fired. And then all of a sudden the team goes on a run like that and, and wins a conference championship. So we'll see what happens with the rest of the Boise state staff, but congratulations to the Broncos one for winning the, the mountain West title, but also Spencer Danielson, for getting that job because he did an incredible job keeping everybody together. All right, now let's let's imagine what a 12 team playoff would look like this year. You know, we've done this every week where we we've imagined it, try to retrain our brains. Now we have the actual top 12. Now I, I said earlier in the show that they probably need to figure out a more stable set of criteria or just admit it's a beauty contest, whatever they want to do before they get to this, because this all will get parsed even more than it is now. Because now we're looking at, at the line between four and five. Starting next year, we will look really hard at the line between four and five, because that's the difference between having a bye and having to play an extra game. We're going to look at the difference between eight and nine, because that's the difference between having a home game and having a road game. And we'll look at the difference between 12 and 13, or more realistically, probably 11 and 12 because that's where that last at large is going to be. Remember the highest ranked group of five champ is still going to get in. So that's probably number 12. There are going to be years where that, that team is ranked higher than 12. So it'll, then we'll be looking at the 12 to 13 line, but this year we've been looking at, at the 11 to 12 line, but also in, in this case at the 24 and 23 line, which is what decided who was going to play as the, the 12 seed. So, in this one, we would have had number 12, Liberty, at number five, Florida State. The winner would have gone on to play Alabama, I would assume, in the Orange Bowl. Because remember, if we're saying that the, the semis are the rose and the sugar, that gives us the orange, the cotton, the fiesta, and the peach to work with here. So I think that game would be in the Orange Bowl. And you'd get Florida State and Alabama, and you'd be able to figure it out on the field. What an amazing concept. Crazy, I know. Thank you, Alliance, again. Could have had that this year, but no. Obviously, the Liberty SMU thing would have been pretty, pretty vicious argument, too, because that's get into the playoff or not. And the SMU people would have said, well, look, why do we bother scheduling Oklahoma and TCU? We could have played an easy schedule and gone 13-0. It's hard to argue because that's what they did. But then a 13-0 team got left out at the top. So again, who knows? 
Number 11, Ole Miss at number six, Georgia. This is the first of our rematches. They're going to run it back in the same place they played it a few weeks ago. Georgia destroyed Ole Miss in that game. Georgia is not nearly as healthy in this in this matchup. Now, maybe they would have gotten healthy in the three weeks intervening. They were not healthy at the SEC championship game for sure. I don't know that the Georgia that would have played Ole Miss in a playoff game would have been nearly the strength of the one that played Ole Miss in that regular season game. That game could have been more interesting, I think. The winner would play number three Texas in the Cotton Bowl. Who says no to that one? Ole Miss or Georgia against Texas in the Cotton Bowl. Our second run-it-back rematch in the same stadium, number 10 Penn State against number 7 Ohio State. Would Penn State bring an offense this time? History says no, but who knows? Now, the question is, if Penn State could made could have made the playoff, would they have fired Mike Yursich after the Michigan game, the offensive coordinator? Now, they have hired Andy Kotelnicki from Kansas, and he brings a very fun scheme. But would they have fired Mike Yursich, or would they have waited until after the playoff? This is the sort of question you need to start asking, because we don't know how this is going to work. The winner of that game would play number two Washington in the Fiesta Bowl. Then you got number nine Missouri at number eight Oregon in what would be a fun, fun game at Austin Stadium. I think that would be probably the most fun matchup of the first round. And the winner would play Michigan in the Peach Bowl. And I think that'd be a fun game. I put Michigan in the Peach Bowl because it was, it was going to be peach or orange. They're not really close to either one. But there's a million flights a day between Detroit and Atlanta. So that's that's where I put them. But that would be light years better than what happened on Sunday. Light years better. Could have had it this year. That's all I'm going to say about that. All right. Not every bowl is in the college football playoff. We've already discussed the Orange Bowl. I don't know if, if anybody's excited about that one. Certainly not the teams playing it. So I decided to rank the top five non-CFP bowls, and I think you'll notice I don't have any New Year's Six games in here because I don't know with the New Year's Six games who's going to play in those games. And look, there's a lot below the New Year's Six where I don't know who's going to play either. But I do think some of these teams that haven't been in bowl games that don't have a ton of NFL prospects, they're going to have pretty full rosters. And so those are the games that could be fun. Like My number five is Georgia Tech and UCF in the Gasparilla Bowl. If you didn't watch Georgia Tech play this year, Brent Key's team is awfully fun to watch. Haynes King, they figured they figured out how to unlock him. You didn't get to see that when he was at Texas A&M. But you saw it this year at Georgia Tech. He, he played really well. UCF, John Rice Plumley, they're a lot of fun. You know, they were very up and down this year, but they had a big win against Oklahoma State. When they're rolling, they're rolling. I think that one could be a fun one. Kansas UNLV in the guaranteed rate ball. Now, remember, Kansas lost its OC, but Lance Leipold is staying. Great job by Kansas, making sure to lock him down. And look, they, they knew they, they got something special with him, and so they made sure they took care of that. Oklahoma. We know that Brent Venables improved dramatically from year one to year two. They couldn't finish it off. They lost to Kansas and lost to Oklahoma State. They beat Texas as they get ready to go to the SEC. Can the Sooners finish with positive momentum? 
Number two, North Carolina, West Virginia, and the Duke's Mayo Bowl. We all know how I feel about Mayo. It's disgusting. Gag-inducing. The Devil's Pomade. Terrible. I have a hate-hate relationship with Duke's Mayo, the sponsor of the bowl game. They like to tweet at me a lot. They know how I feel about Mayo. They seem like very nice people, but they represent an absolutely disgusting condiment. But the idea... Now, Mac Brown has been in this game before. He lost to Shane Beamer. Shane Beamer got, got the Mayo bath and then got the bucket dropped on his head, so he's lucky he didn't get a concussion. But what I think is interesting about this game, because if you watch North Carolina play at the end of the season... And I don't, I don't know that Drake May's in this game at all. But if you watch North Carolina play at the end of the season, they, they fell off a cliff. I'm not really worried about the North Carolina piece of this game. It's the West Virginia one that I'm interested in. They were a lot of fun down the stretch. And if Neil Brown can go from starting the season on the hot seat to ending the season with a mayo bath, then that's about as good as you could hope for. That's pretty incredible. Number one. NC State, Kansas State, and the Pop-Tarts Bowl. The mascot will be edible. I'm assuming the winning team will eat the mascot, and I hope it doesn't look too much like cannibalism. Also, what flavor will the Pop-Tart be? If it were my son choosing, it would be s'mores. My daughter would be strawberry. If it were me, blueberry frosted. That's the only true flavor. It's the only truly great flavor. And a whole mascot-sized blueberry frosted Pop-Tart would be... That'd be incredible. K-State, Will Howard in the portal. Maybe he and Riley Leonard from Duke, the most sought-after quarterbacks in the portal. We'll see. There are going to be more names in there starting tomorrow. But I think this means this is the dawn of the Avery Johnson era at K-State. Could be fun. Could be fun. I remember watching Lamar Jackson as a freshman for Louisville in a bowl game. Now, he had kind of taken over the starting job by the end of the season. Uh, Avery was doing the, the switching off thing with Will and then Will kind of took the job back. So it's not apples to apples, but this could be a very interesting start for a five-star QB who stayed in his home state, who is really fast, really fast and has some arm talent based on what we've seen so far. We haven't seen him really just being told, Hey, it's yours. Let it rip. I'm really interested to see that. So I think that's that's how you look at these games. You know, is it if if you've got somebody young that you've been waiting to see, so you know, younger player, and you want to see them get their first real action, I think that is how you should look at some of these bowl games beneath the New Year's six. Tennessee, Iowa, by the way, your preliminary under. Uh, well, I, I'm gonna take the under because against again, I took the over and it was wrong. Preliminary total on that game at FanDuel is 36 and a half. What if Joe Milton opts out? I don't know what he's going to do. What if this is Nico time? How, are you more interested in that game? I think I am, if that's what happens. I'm picking the under, though. <laughs> I'm, def I'm definitely picking the under. One game I'm not picking the under in is the Sugar Bowl. Don't know how I feel about the, the Rose Bowl quite yet. I got I to gotta get that, that one situated. But on Sunday, J.D. Piquel and I looked at those playoff matchups and said, Woo, this is going to be a lot of fun. And then we broke them down. Here it is. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. We got action. Michigan got action. is number one, as we expected. So my my arguments fell on deaf ears about Washington potentially being number one. <laughs> sure, but Michigan is number one. I I think we can pretty safely assume Washington's number two. And I think that's probably the right order. As good as Washington has been, as good as Michigan's been. I mean, I know a big thing with Michigan all year long was the eye test. That was why they were at three before playing anybody ranked. One's probably right for Michigan. By the way, can can we just step back and think about this for a second? Jim Harbaugh was suspended for six yeah. of thirteen games. Yeah. And Michigan's the number one seed in the playoff. Like, how weird, how wild is that? Took half the year off. That's a great <laughs> job. You say, I'm taking PTO for no, half the no, year. No, he I'll took be, Saturdays out. off. They, okay, yeah, that's Those, right. those, those suspend, because and they're different types of suspensions. If you, if you, you had a self-imposed, Washington is number two. There you go. If you had a self-imposed NCAA, or a self-imposed suspension, mm-hmm. you, can, you can say work during the week, take Saturday off. Mm-hmm. If it's an NCAA suspension, which that was on the table too, you still, had to miss still on the table, quite frankly. Well, it is, but yeah. not for this year. Yep. So just wild to think that the six of the 13 games, the head coach was not there, number one seed. And speaks volumes to what Michigan is, too. Oh, and Sharon I mean, Moore, To do too. it without, yeah. without your head coach yeah. on the sideline. It says a lot about that roster. Well, and it's, it's a lot of a reason why they're the number one seed. It, yep. You feel like this roster, if they get into some situations in the, in the playoff where games are tight or tough, that they're going to coalesce around one another and, and probably be pretty good. And the fact that we've seen now Sharon Moore, <laughs> that's the answer. Didn't have the same acting head coach yeah. in the six games. Yeah. Four of those games were Sharon Moore games. I think we know now he's a, a good game day coach. Great, yeah. A good game day okay. player. Texas is number three. That's big. All right. That's huge. Okay, so what does that tell you about that four spot? Does that make you feel more or less confident about Bama at four? No, because this is what we thought was going to happen. Okay. Uh, I think you can make an argument for Florida State at three, being undefeated. uh, All right, I get where you're going. I'm picking up what you're putting down. So, yeah, so that means that Texas pulled – or Bama's win pulled Texas to three Mm -hmm. because Texas must be ahead of Bama. So this means we get an Alamo Bowl rematch from last year. How about that? How about that? The difference a year makes. How about that? Washington, Texas. That'll be a good one. It was was an okay Alamo Bowl. Wasn't bad. I, I wouldn't have picked it as a playoff spot, a, a playoff match yeah. to be here later, but that was a good game. Now, I would, assume, I would assume we're going to get the, the Washington-Texas game in the Sugar Bowl. Sure. Because I don't think Michigan wants to – well, I, that's not true. If it, well, either way, Florida State or Alabama, I don't think you want to play them in New Orleans. I'm holding my breath here for this fourth spot. It's wild. I'm, legitimate, I'm legitimately on I edge I think they here. need to go to commercial. I'm le- yeah, they, if, <laughs> if I'm ESPN, I'm going to go to commercial before this. Like, I am not. I'm going to milk this for all it's I'm worth. I'm running a YouTube mid-roll right now live if you're, if you're the committee or if you're ESPN. But what does your gut tell you here, Andy? I think it's going to be Alabama. You think so? I think that's the, see, I think that's the it best would, thing I wouldn't surprise me if it's Florida State. Yep. But I just – and I, the, since you said that a couple minutes ago about Texas going to three mm-hmm. – now, now you're in my head. Like, <laughs> I've, I've infiltrated. Because I think you you may be right. If they were going to do Florida State and Texas, they would make Florida State three. Doesn't it feel that way a little bit? I mean, 
and they really it really feel like they've gotten out in front. and I don't know how much the PR is involved with the actual committee but we've really hammered home the best four teams yeah. relevant players like all this it yeah. feels like you know I'm holding my breath here as we're looking to maybe find the fourth team here you think it'll go five or six they go four right now Will, oh. they, will they make us wait for four? They'll, I, they'll go six. Here's six, uh, Georgia. My heart dropped. I, was <laughs> I was like, they actually did it. No, they just they, no, they, no. they went for it. No, they were milking this. <laughs> it reminds me of like when America's Andy. Funniest Home Videos came out. They would announce who was second place first, and then they would have one and three in the in the boxes. And I'm like, why wouldn't you just announce third place first and have one and two in the boxes? Because I already know which one was the worst of the three. It was like that Steve Harvey moment where he crowns the wrong Miss America. Yes. If that's what it felt like. I was like, oh my goodness. They punched the wrong graphic or the wrong, like, I don't know what Graphics, happened. Graphics, oh, we got it. Alabama's number four. Wow. You called that. Ah, uh, you called you that. called that. We uh, called that together. Hey, that is, to be clear, that is the best thing. That is the best thing for the player. For the viewer. For the viewer. I think it's the best right team. I think it's the best four teams. And you got to credit the committee. Okay. As, even though I've said that's what it's going to be since last night, mm -hmm. like watching it, seeing Florida State slotted in there at number five, like makes me droop. Oh, it your just, heart breaks. Like them. heart breaks. They did everything they could do. Heart breaks. Every single thing they could do. Yep. They lost their quarterback and they kept winning. Like yep. it's just like if I'm Mike Norvell, there's nothing I can say to those guys. Nothing. 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 What do you? I mean, what do you, you say? Hey, guys, we should have done. And, and honestly, if I'm no. if I'm Florida State's president. I am calling the conference office and saying, once again, you have failed us. Yeah, absolutely. You have completely failed us. Absolutely. Because again, this is partially Jim Phillips' fault that there's not a 12-team playoff this year. Yep. So you know, if Jim Phillips is looking around his office and going, why is my petard here and why am I being hoisted on it? You, like, you did this to yourself. <laughs> I don't know what a petard is. Well, you get hoisted by it. Okay, it's it's the thing you get hoisted by. <laughs> So, I, I just Golly, it's amazing man. to me. And, and, yeah, if I'm Michael Alford, the AD at, at Florida State, I am even further in my bag about trying to get out of the ACC because yes. the ACC failed you. 100%. Absolutely failed you. Without question. Without question. I mean, if you're Florida State, there literally is nothing else you could have earthly controlled. Yep. So, I mean, it really is, I think. And I, it's, it's hard because I lean one way where I say – if you're Florida State, you should be livid. You have every right to be livid. But then I lean the other way and say, okay, well, these are the best four teams. This, this is what the committee is right. supposed to it's, do. It, right, because they were given these parameters. Yep. They were told it's a, there are four slots, and it's the four best. I, I, we had Greg McElroy on the show on Thursday, and he said that the playoff number of playoff teams should just flex based on how many deserving teams there are each year. Mm -hmm. And so this year you could have eight. Another year you could have four. I don't hate that. Another don't hate year that. you could just BCS it and do two. I don't hate that at all. I, I, yeah, I think it'd be great. I, I told him that his his bosses at ESPN were having panic attacks that he would even mention that. They they like things nice and tidy. Yeah. Like they know like to know what it's going to be. Uh, so Michigan and Alabama will play in the Rose Bowl. Yep. That is that is going to be January first, five p.m. Eastern, sun setting over the San Gabriel Mountains, followed by Washington and Texas in the Sugar Bowl. It, it is so Michigan Alabama. Think about this. Rose Bowl, Michigan, Alabama, Harbaugh, Saban, all of the things at once. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Gonna, I mean, you think about the, the defense that Alabama saw yesterday against Georgia. Michigan's probably watching that game back and saying, oh, boy. Oh, yeah. boy, we, we got to defend that quarterback. And we talked about it after the game yesterday. It wasn't like Georgia was just confused defensively. Mm -hmm. They just got straight up out physical and, and yeah. out leveraged and just beat. Just plain old fashioned beat. What I want to see, because that Georgia line, defensive line this year, not the aliens it's been the last two years. 
Guess who has aliens on their defensive line? That will be the Michigan Wolverines. Kenneth Grant yep. is a freaking alien. Yep. I'm so excited. I wonder I wonder a little bit about the team speed compared to Georgia. Like, do you think Michael Barrett's running like Smile Monday is? Do you, do you think they got I, guys I think it's that close. It's them? probably not identical, mm-hmm. but I think it's, the gap between Michigan athletically and the Ohio States and the Alabamas mm-hmm. and the Georgia the, has closed considerably in the past Definitely. few years. Definitely. I, I, I mean, I think back to the Michigan-Ohio State game eight days ago, it didn't feel like there was an appreciable difference. No. And Ohio State's roster is just as athletic as Georgia's or Alabama's. You think about the way where Michigan has shown some humanity. It's been on the back end with Maryland throwing the ball, mm-hmm. Ohio State throwing the ball, and Ohio State has aliens in the wide receiver yep. before. Uh, Alabama threw the ball well yesterday. Yeah. Not necessarily a drop back pass. Not, a four a, not as good of a receiving core as, a, as what Michigan just saw Definitely in Ohio not. State. Definitely not. But Michigan has not seen anything like Jalen Milrow. And, and honestly, I don't think Georgia had seen anything like Jalen Milrow. And I'm not sure anybody had seen that Jalen Milrow. Maybe LSU did. Sure, yeah. But they really seem to have kind of unlocked what he does best. And, and we saw a Jalen Milrow game against Georgia where – he didn't make any of those mistakes that, that really kind of hamstrung him early in the season. Yeah, he played really clean football. And, and quite frankly, I think Michigan and Georgia are similar in the same way we talked about yesterday. Mm-hmm. They feed off your mistakes. Yeah. Does Georgia, Michigan, the exact same way. They're going to play tennis with you. They're going to continue to just run the football, take the, take the air out of the game. Uh, if Jalen Milrow plays the kind of game he played yesterday against Georgia, Alabama's going to have a real good shot in that Rose Bowl. Very, yeah. very good chance. Yeah, and I'm just like, the, the plays that, that they were running, the – at quarterback sweep, we talked about this on the field at the Georgia Dome, mm-hmm. <laughs> Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Yes. I'm going back to saying that. Sorry, Georgia Dome. Uh, but that quarterback sweep where against Georgia, Georgia had it played correctly, but Alabama just blocked it effectively. Just elephants on parade on the perimeter. It, well, they, they were just, I mean, pun intended, perfect, quite yes. frankly. I mean, it, but it, I mean, to, to what you said, I mean, the, the athletic gap has definitely closed, like you said, between the rosters of Michigan's and the Georgia's and the Alabama's. But then you add Jalen Milrow into that, and it kind of makes that gap a little. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's kind of just the, hey, well, any given third favorite, down, he can make it happen like, for you. We, we know these quarterbacks have their favorites and, and who they like. and Clearly, Isaiah Bond and Jalen Milrow have a bond, mm-hmm. pun intended, oh. as well. I mean, it, we, we, that, was, that <laughs> we, I don't deserve that. that. Was good. that was I don't good. deserve a fist pound for that. But they clearly have a connection that is developing over time. And you're going to have another you know, three weeks of practice to get that figured out against a really good defense. I'm trying to think, is this Michigan defense the best defense they'll have played? It's probably comparable to Georgia's yesterday. It's probably similar. I think it's yeah. probably, like you said, on the defensive line, they're probably better than Georgia, at least in the interior with Kenneth Grant being yeah. like 340 and can yeah. chase down running back from 20 <laughs> yards away. Like Poor that's Allen be, never saw it coming. That's going to be a different beast. Yeah. That's going to be a different beast. So I'm, I'm curious because Alabama, too, like we talked about, they're more of a – they probably scare you more when they get out on the perimeter. And yeah. so, I mean, if it ends up being a thing where, you know, you're running away from Kenneth Grant, what does that look like if you're Alabama? How does it set you up? Yeah. I, I, and then Harbaugh Saban. We've actually seen this game before in a Citrus Bowl. That's right. They have yeah, played each did, other we once. Did see it was that. yeah. It was not. It was not pretty. But this is a different mm-hmm. situation entirely. And listen, given everything swirling around Michigan, given that Jim Harbaugh has tried to go to the NFL a couple of times, and and I think still has that itch, and there's some jobs open that he might be a fit for, and the NCAA stuff, and 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 a lot of ands. This potentially is Jim Harbaugh's last game as Michigan's head coach or has a chance to make it his penultimate game as Michigan's head coach if they win? Like, 
There's going to be a lot here. If there were to be a spot where you would ride off into the sunset, and ride off into the sunset is maybe the wrong word if you lose that football game, but the backdrop of but if the you Rose beat Bowl, them, you got Alabama, yeah. I mean, golly. And the winner of this game is probably the favorite in the national title game. Yeah, and they should be. And even even, even be. if it's Texas-Alabama in the rematch, Vegas doesn't change its mind easily. I don't think so. And, and no. they may and they may make Alabama favorite again in that game. Yeah. So this is this is going to be, in terms of drama, I yeah, you know, I, I don't think people actually care about ratings, but if they th- yeah. if they did, this will get a massive rating. This will be very good. <laughs> this will get be, it. And, I'm watching. And, and, well, that's kind of our job. Yep. But this will be one that I think everybody has on the bucket list of seeing Jim Harbaugh, Nick Saban in the Rose Bowl with massive stakes. Now, let's talk about the game in New Orleans because I think this one could be a blast to watch because when these two offenses really get flying, there's not much anybody can do. Curious what the over is right now when it comes to that game in uh, in New Orleans. So That's I'm going to say I'm going to say 68.5. Okay, I was going to say somewhere in the 70 range. Yeah, yeah probably probably flirt I, with 70. I think I think the defenses are a little better than we give them credit for. Definitely, and, Texas looked awesome yesterday. Well, Texas's interior. We talked about aliens Tavondre on the Michigan. Sweat. Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy from Mars. Probably the best combo inside of anybody in the country. Mm-hmm. They are awesome. And Tavondre Sweat, we, we saw him catch a touchdown pass. Dual threat. Heisman there. Dual threat. I, I like it. I, I haven't I haven't filed my ballot yet. Okay. I mean, I can't I want to get you in trouble. I can't say I, Heisman Trust don't pull my boat, but there we go. I'm just saying. So this could be an absolute blast. Michael Penix Jr. Because I think it was very interesting the dynamics leading into the Pac-12 championship game. It felt like Vegas especially, but but the world in general had just turned on Washington. They played tight games, lived dangerously between beating Oregon the first time and getting to the Pac-12 title game. Meanwhile, Oregon had just steamrolled everybody. Mm-hmm. But it never nobody and we talked about this on the show a lot last week. Like, why wasn't anybody asking the question? And I think I guess a few of us were. If Washington beat them the first time, was there, a, was there a particular matchup problem that Washington was exploiting? And I think what it was is Washington's receivers were better than Oregon's corners. Definitely. And I think Washington's receivers are probably going to be better than Texas's corners, too. The question is, can Texas's pass rush get to Penix in time to make that matter? Because I, I think you saw at points in the two games against Oregon, where Oregon did get pressure... They were very effective against Penix, mm-hmm. but as soon as he found some time to throw, good God, that, that it's it's so beautiful to watch. Yeah, and once they brought pressure too in that game, like just watching the game, you kind of felt a little bit of like, oh, whenever you bring someone from second or third level, usually there's some real estate mm-hmm. behind them. Yeah, and you're Penix giving up was something. phenomenal at finding that. And then to flip it on its head, when you talk about defensively for Washington against Texas, I think that that over's in trouble yeah. because there's so many weapons for both these teams. Talking about Texas, you want to take away Xavier Worthy? We got Adam Mitchell. You want to take away one of those guys? We got Jatavian Sanders. So just the Jatavian Sanders is, the, is, is the biggest X factor of all because I think other than uh, Brock Bowers, mm-hmm. Sanders is the best tight end in college football. Yeah. Now I I know the the Loveland and, and Barner at Michigan want to want to say something about that. Fair. But Sanders is such a weapon. He's so versatile, and he really. He makes it hard to defend them because you have to know what he's doing and you have to be aware of what he's doing on every play. And so he may not even be the target or, or maybe, maybe he's like the third option, but you are focusing resources on him at all times. Mm-hmm. 
And I think the thing I would say, too, is both these teams are extremely poised. Like, we both have we, – we have two really just adult, mature teams. Look yeah. at that Texas defense, bunch of juniors and seniors. You, yeah. I mean, looked at Washington after they beat Oregon. It didn't feel like they won a Pac-12 title game. They yeah. were all just very much like, yeah, good win, awesome, on to the next one. And I was like, this is the last Pac-12 title game ever. Well, like, this, is, this is a big deal. Let's think about the evolution of Steve Sarkeesian, what this game means about that. This is So he's going to play against the program – where he was first a head coach. Mm-hmm. And what was, what was the knock on Steve Sarkeesian at Washington? Couldn't just, couldn't get past meh. Couldn't, mm-hmm. He was eight and four, mm-hmm. kind of 500 in the conference. That was what they were. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't ever get over that hump. And he gets the USC job. We know what happened there. Mm-hmm. You know, he has, to, he has to leave the job. He goes into rehab. He gets everything together. Apart from that, the part in his personal life, he's evolved quite a bit professionally. I think the Steve Sarkeesian who coached Washington never could have done this this year with Texas. Like, they would have fallen apart after they lost to Oklahoma. This guy kept them together, had Texas playing in a way that we have not seen Texas play since the, the height of the Mac Brown era. Absolutely. And, I mean, I think the thing that sticks out to me is kind of that – that checkpoint of getting back into football and who he got under football with, uh, with Nick Saban. Like this team feels to me like playing their best ball at the right time, mm-hmm. tough in the interior. Uh, the way that he even talks about his team with the little things, talks about Keelan Robinson t- catching a touchdown, then running down on kickoff and making yeah. an attack. He's like, that's the standard we have internally. I mean, they, they remind me of a Nick Saban kind we, of team. We had Tavondre Sweat on my show and I asked him what his favorite thing to do, like favorite bonding activity with the other defensive linemen was. You know what he said? Lift weights. Position meetings. There we go. That's a meetings are the most boring thing ever. And I was like, oh, well, you know, what, what, what's your chosen candy? Like, I'm, I'm thinking they're eating gummy worms together. Not even allowed to bring food in there. Wow. Like, and they just like being together and figuring out a way to wreck your offense. Like that's a ball. That's incredible. And and it's rare. Like there's not a lot yes. of teams that have that. I think the teams that get to this point are the ones that do. But Washington, let's talk about Washington's offensive line. Yeah. Because I think the, the country discovered there's some athletes up there watching that Pac-12 championship yep. game. Like, watching those dudes pull, they're moving. You're talking about 300-pounders that can get downhill in a hurry. The edge that I thought in the Pac-12 title game that was going to eventually lean towards Oregon was just that, the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, that first time around, yeah, Washington kind of diced him up, but Dylan Johnson getting downhill behind that offensive yeah. line, like, it's not just a, we're going to scheme you up and spread you out. Right. It's like, we're actually going to go maul you physically, yeah. man-to-man. And they did that against Oregon, and I think it could be a very, very good matchup with And Texas. then I, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Kalen DeBoer. Yeah. Because it, I, there are very few coaches where you, you always feel like they have the right call on. Like, even when they get cute, you're like, ah, I see where he was going with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he has been I – mean, I don't even give enough credit to what he's done there in yeah. such a short period of time at Washington. I mean, heck, Alabama tried to get Ryan Grubbs away from him this Absolutely. past offseason. Yeah. He was able to keep him. I think it speaks volumes to what he's built there and the belief they have internally. I, I just – I'm very excited about these two games. I feel so bad for Florida State. Let's talk about them a little more. Yeah. I don't want – I realize all the discussion is probably going to move on to the, to the playoff itself. But let us – Talk about the job that Mike Norvell has done over the past four years. I, I remember when he was 0-4 year two, they'd lost to Jacksonville State. It felt like everything was falling apart. It felt like they would never be able to figure it out. The, the fan base wanted him fired, but they, they just fired Willie Taggart. They didn't really have the money to fire anybody else. And he said, he had a press conference. He got testy with, with somebody asking a question. Hmm. 
And he said, I know it will get better because I see it every day and we're not changing. And you saw it that year where they fought and fought and fought. They didn't, they didn't win them all, but they kept fighting. And then last year they had that three game losing streak and everybody's like, are we sure this is the guy? And then they rail off a winning streak. And then this year, everything comes together. And what sucks is that everything came together and the system prevented them from actually competing for a championship. Legitimately, one of the, from the outside looking in, at least by nature of how they've won games and how they've progressed since he's been there, got to be one of the strongest cultures in college football. Absolutely. And, and he's done and, it with transfer they, Right, they keep bringing Porter guys with in. Keon and, Coleman, and, and, yeah. Bell, Jordan Travis is a transfer, yeah. eventual site. I mean, guys that made big time, not just like role players, like big Huge. time contributors. Jared Burse. It's incredible. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think... This is, I mean, if you're a Florida State fan, let's call a spade a spade. Like this, this sucks. This it's absolutely awful. sucks. And there's nothing, there's nothing that you feel like you should do differently no. besides have maybe some better luck with how things went in that North Alabama get you, game. Get I yourself mean, in just, the SEC of the Big Ten. It's just, like, I mean, it's and and I realize horrific. that's not horrific. That's probably not possible with the grant of rights, but it is like we we talked about that all August. That's what they want to do. And if they were in one of those leagues this year, they'd probably be in the playoff. Yeah. I mean, they definitely would if they had this record. But it just, it, it's there. I, I feel so bad. And I've talked to different coaches who've been through this. I remember uh, talking to James Franklin after Penn State was left out of the playoff in 2016 when they won the Big Ten, but Ohio State was put in instead. Uh, well, literally, what it was actually Washington got in over Penn State. Ohio State was the three seed. But if you're sitting there watching a team you beat in the conference you play in get in, what do you say to your team? There's nothing you can say. And I'm curious to see how they respond to this. Because if it's anything like a Mike Norville operation we've seen to this point in the year, I think they'll probably go out in the bowl game and play really good football. The problem is, are those draft guys going to play in that bowl a big game question. at all? Because yeah. it's, it's going to be, they're going to the Orange Bowl. Like, we, we don't have to wait for the bowl show on that one. Contractually, mm -hmm. they're going to the Orange Bowl. And I believe contractually, they're going to have to play Jordan. It's a tough draw. It's the next highest ranked Big Ten or SEC team. So which one was five? Was Georgia five? Georgia, I mean, Georgia was Georgia six. Was Georgia six. six. Georgia, yeah, so they're playing Georgia. It's a tough draw. Yeah. It's not a fun draw. But none of Georgia's draft guys are going to be there either. Yeah. I mean, I'm curious to see what Brock Bowers does in this one. Because he seems like he's a guy that just said multiple times. He I did. Yeah, play. he did I say, I don't care there. if my foot falls off my, my leg. I, I'm playing. Let's see. So, like, let's see. Yeah. So. That's, I, you know, given what we've seen from this Florida State team, I could see some of those guys getting together, like the Jared Verse getting those guys together and saying, let's do it. Let's just show that they that they didn't beat us, you know. And if they beat Georgia, Andy, are they I mean, are they UCF in it and hanging a banner? I mean, I mean, I think no. like internally you gotta at least you can't, they've made fun like, of UCF too much. <laughs> they made they made too much fun of UCF. You can't do that. Maybe don't hang a banner, but yeah. I think it would do a lot just for the hey, but, but this I do, is what we were capable of. I do of, have and some missed out on very it. hard conversations with the conference leadership about what happened two years ago because this is their fault like there should be a 12-team playoff right now mm -hmm. florida state would be in it yeah but there's not and the tough part is too because now you're moving forward and saying well things got to change like oh no no, they are changing next year so it's yeah. like but that doesn't you know, do these just, people any good it's so frustrating yeah. it's, it's so frustrating if you're yeah like it's just it, it it sucks for them for us the viewers it's a pretty intriguing playoff yeah I think they got it right. At the end of the day, as 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 wild. I don't as think it there was a right answer. I, yeah. I, I don't I don't think they could have gotten it right. The system Fair. sucked so bad that they had no right answer, and that's why they're getting rid of the stupid system. 
Unfortunately, they're getting rid of it one year too late. I think they did the best that they could have with the information they had. Correct. And so Michigan, Alabama Rose Bowl. Yep. Texas, Washington Sugar Bowl. The winners will play for the national title. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a blast to watch. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.